Hey everybody, this is Safdie from Trope Trophies, and you're listening to Trope Trophies Podcast, the show where two sisters explain a trope, debate using our favorite characters from TV, movies, books, anime, and more. Then let you, the listener, decide who is the winner. Now, without further ado, welcome to Trope Trophies. Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of season two of trope trophies i'm yadi and stephanie is here too there is this really amazing fan fiction that has to do with twilight but it's just like people's names like these characters have nothing to do with how the characters are in the book or the film but it's just so good and i'm just so sad that uh the author never finished writing it and recently, she still has all of like the chapters down. I hit up her WordPress and I commented, and I was like, please continue, I'll pay you. So I'm that diehard fan that if my pick of the week needed money to continue production, I'm not saying I'm a millionaire, gazillionaire, but I'll definitely donate. The donation won't be much, but I'll put money towards it. Listen, I'm a devoted fan and I will support you the way I know you guys will support us. I know you've been watching Vox Machina. I keep seeing it as a suggestion, but I don't know if I'll get into it. You should, because it's a very complicated writing style. That sounds like my brain has to do stuff. Not really. It's just Everything that's going to be on that is just going to surprise you every time. It's just D&D, but rolled into actual storytelling. So like the whole episode, I think it was episode six, where Fox, Scanlan, and Percy are fighting to open the door. That's just one whole episode. No, that's a whole scene in an episode. People would say, oh, they just wrote comedy into it. It's like, no, that happened because they rolled so horribly on the dice. Like, it's so fucking funny because Percy then gets fed up with the door, tries to go up the window, falls down, and it's just like, I fell off the window because the roll is so bad. Oh, yeah, that's true when we played before, how... Things can totally backfire. It's like throwing a sword. You rolled a one. The sword hits you in the leg and now you're injured. Like what? (laughs) Always some shenanigan. It can be a hot mess. So wait, within the show, is it taking like clips from actual D&D games? The whole show is just retelling their online D&D campaign. But you don't have to know D&D to watch the show. But if you do know it, then it's like another like, ooh. I know something you don't. Isn't that you? That's me the entire time watching that show, yeah. I really write a lot on um, Tumblr about my thoughts, and people are like, correct. I'm like, yeah. I second that. I guess I've been watching Pet Finder because I got a cat. I mean, not yet, but by the time this episode releases, I'd have a cat, and I'll give you guys the 411 on my cat. Because my cat's going to be my new show. She's going to be premiering on the Instagram page. So please follow to see the cute baby pictures. Yes. I'm excited. Without further ado, we have this week's trope. And it's called Cut Short Trope. Stuff. you want to get everybody like the 411 on what it's about? 
So cut short is when a story did not get the satisfying ending that fans believe it deserved. An example of that would be Firefly that was only aired for one season on Fox. It did not get picked up, but all of its fans was very loyal to it. And they did get closure by getting a movie, but after a lot of petitioning for some type of closure for that show. I mean, a lot of things just get cut short due to funding, a possible creator death. Like, massive things can happen. Most of the time, though, it's like production and executives just saying, yeah, we're not seeing the profit we want. Or like, we're spending too much, but not getting enough back. Which is not a bad thing. You still need people to be logical so you don't like freaking go yourself to debt because you're not performing well. But it's just like, damn, that would have been cool if it ended correctly. To counter the argument, the show I'm talking about is Amazon. So the point that you say you don't have enough money production is a load of crap. All right. So I guess we should announce what we're doing. Yes. My pick is. Oran High School Host Club. And my pick is Mozart in the Jungle. I will have the side note about anime. Animes are always getting canceled. You read a manga, you love it. What listen, listen, listen. Over, I'm going to need like, you to yo. stop trying to fight when we haven't even officially freaking started, okay? Because she's always trying truth. to like get the first hit in and it's just like, nah, why can't you fight clean? I'm just giving you guys a good perspective on the situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. She just doesn't want me to come off as too cool. That's the problem. I don't know about that, but I guess we can start off with the background on the story. I'll go because, you know, mine is going to win anyways. My pick of the week is Mozart in the Jungle, as I've said before. Um, It's an Amazon original. It's loosely based off the book uh, Mozart in the Jungle, Sex, Drugs, and Classical Music by Blair Tyndall. It's a comedy drama with a star-studded cast. We have Gael Bernard Garcia, who's a well-known Mexican actor. He is known for a film called Y Tu Mama Tambien. I think that's on Netflix. We also have the Broadway legend, Bernadette Peters. You may know her from Annie's Got a Gun, if you're into that kind of She was also Into the Woods and Sunday with George. I'm slightly obsessed with her. Mozart in the Jungle has a total of 40 episodes in the span of four years. It has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. And for you guys who say Rotten Tomatoes sucks or their opinions suck, that's not the same for this show. The show gets the pass because it's that good. And I think it's that good because a lot of people think it's good because it is good. Anyways, it won a primetime Emmy Award for Creative Arts in Sound Mixing. And the lead actor, Gael Bernard Garcia, won a Golden Globe for his performance back in 2016. This show is produced and created by Francis Ford Coppola's son, Roman Coppola. It's just been a joy to watch. I'll give the 411 on what the actual story is about. The story is about this mid-20s oboe player named Haley Rutledge. She's struggling to develop classical music career in New York City. You know, you want to join the best orchestras with insurance and just being an employee, guaranteed money, because you know, a lot of musicians have to do a lot of freelance jobs. So Haley's looking for something stable. So she's working in this show and she gets a tip from 
one of the orchestra players. I forgot her name, but she's a celloist. And she gets a chance to audition for the New York Orchestra. And she's arrives late and she's just like, fuck it, I'm going to play it anyways. And she plays and Rodrigo's like, that's beautiful, beautiful sound. She plays with the blood. And that's kind of an ongoing theme for the rest of the show. If you guys want to cast your votes now, go on ahead. For my round one, we're going to talk about Oran High School Host Club. So it is an anime and its genre falls in reverse harem slash romantic comedy. It was originally released on April 5th, 2006. Its final episode aired in um, September 2006 um, in Japan. I just want to preference that. It's one season with a total of 26 episodes, which is common in the 2000 eras of anime. Most popular manga anime at that time was like 26 episodes. The anime ended. However, the manga continued. So because of that, a lot of fans of the manga were upset because they didn't get to see arcs being like played out on screen. Because, you know, anime and manga are like two different experiences. What I really think got the show really into like popular mainstream culture as of right now was that it was on a time on Netflix. It just spoke to this new generation 100%. Because Haruhi, the female lead of the show... She is, I would say, like, close enough to non-binary. She does not care about being hyper-feminine and just wears clothes and outfits that she feels comfortable in, whatever that means to her. She's just beyond the binary, which we know, we stand, we stand her. But because she's so above it all, everybody and their mom's in love with her. Even the girls that go to the host club are falling in love with her because they read her as a boy, right? She's not like hyper femme. And so they're just like, yes, we speak to me because she could get it easily because she's a, she understands the female perspective and she's just being a nice person, literally just talking to women. It's crazy. So it sounds like she got some fans. Yeah, I think I remember watching some episodes and, you know, everybody just like not understanding why they like her so much. It's like, what is this? attractiveness even i feel like there was episodes where it's like oh she dresses up as a woman and everybody's like oh my god why does she look so good as a woman you know i'm like i remember those moments it does suck that it didn't pass 26 episodes you were into it and i remember watching parts of it with you i was very into it i mean it was a cute anime and it was very easy for me to at least project onto Haruhi because at the time, I didn't have very traditional women interest. So I felt like I relate to her in that sense. Now, as a grown-ass adult, I can say that I would identify more as feminine energy. And I'm okay with my gender and stuff. But I still understand the appeal that I would still relate to Haruhi. Because she's just doing what she wants when she wants. She's just so unfazed. <laughs> <laughs> by other people's stuff like i just appreciate her more for her authenticity than anything else yeah i think she's just about that money like i just need the money to be here y'all no. that's it you don't remember the show but what happened was a boss fell and these rich boys who have money to replace this decided to bully this poor girl and was like you need to work with us to pay off this expensive ass bet and that's how she was there she's just there to pay off a debt they keep adding to her tab because of like small nuances that spoiler alert 
is actually the boys' fault. But, like, what do they care? They're super rich. Like, that's the point of the show. It's like, how do we... I want to remind you that you are poor. It's like, I am aware of that every day. This is like, no, but I, I need to make sure you know you're poor. No, I'm very aware I'm poor. It's just like, I love you for being poor. It's like, okay. She's refreshing to them because she is so fucking dirt poor. That is just like... She's an indentured servant. That's exactly what she is. But she gives them such a new perspective on life where they're just like, oh my God, like how do he's really teaching us new things? It's just like, you just need to hang out with more rich, poor people. That's the true vibe of being rich kids hanging out with a poor kid. Poor Haruhi over here working her ass off, but they're like, let's go to my private island. And it's just like, why am I still working if we're going to your private island? It's just like, Haruhi, that's different. It's just like, like, y'all don't need me to work in. Y'all just want me around. So, like, in the first episode, just to give, like, another thing, like, everyone starts realizing little small nuances that how do he is actually a girl by, like, small stuff. It will go off by, like, a light bulb. And the last person to ever figure it out is Tamoki. He's the one who has a blatant crush on her. I mean, why wouldn't he? Oh, I guess you'll get into that on your part, too. So, with my cut short trope, with Mozart in the Jungle... It's sad to say, but the show was canceled. Why? Because the world hates me. Or is it because of public enemy number one? I don't want to be out here saying names, but this person was hired in 2018 after the season four premiered to be the company's global entertainment division for television and film. The moment this person is hired, Oh my gosh, uh, when is season five coming? Canceled. It was canceled within the week, the month. This person came up into this. Not a vibe. The person who should not be named mysteriously ended the show at the peak of some wild-ass character development. I was like, yo, why'd you do this? At least just give me the proper ending if we're just going to do this. Because the show's so acclaimed. So it's like, why would you do that? Like, you mad dumb, you mad stupid. Like, why? I'm going to give you guys a good sum up of what the seasons are about. So again, I love classical music and I love that this show is able to do that, but make it fun make it new and even introduce like actual classical musicians into the show and i think it's just so unique for its appreciation of something that seems like a dying art even though it's always around us it just no one cares to talk about it but that's on another note season one we see Haley. she's like in the middle of it she's rodrigo's assistant helping out and just being so grateful that she's even there. And after an amazing performance, Rodrigo and her kiss and some people, uh, Cynthia, the celloist, noticed. But, you know, it was kept under wraps, whatever. Then we get into season two. I feel like the budget went up because they ended up going to Mexico. And we meet Rodrigo's teacher, Maestro, that helped him even become... A conductor the way he is today he was supposed to take responsibility for taking in this orchestra and he was like no i already have my own family that he committed to which is the new york symphony and he is cursed by his teacher and now he has some hearing problems again we couldn't explore that because of the incident 
with the incident being the show got canceled. And all of these hints that that were happening in the show with Haley meeting his mom and the coffee grinds, making it seem like they were lovers and her giving her earrings. Like it was just so many hintle moments of like what the future of their relationship could be. And it's just cut short. It's just like, why? The romance is there and the music is there. The music's popping. So again, we go to season three. Haley finds Rodrigo an assistant because she's actually trying to work on her music instead of just being his assistant. But we all know he wanted her to be assistant because he liked her. And it feels like every once in a while they're kissing. They kissed in his mom's house and she... Every like every Latino says, "En mi casa no, en mi casa no." <laughs> that was literally her words verbatim. Season three, Rodrigo's assistant was like, "Oh my gosh, I forgot to renew my own passport, so I can't even assist him out of the borders." So Haley had to take up the position again, especially since she gets fired for making fun of a celloist that she slept with. So while Drake goes away in Italy, the whole New York Symphony is having an issue because they're not making enough money. It happens in season two where one of the first chair violinists tried to scheme so he can get insurance money on his violin and it doesn't go well. So it really like highlights the issues, the financial issues. A lot of the musicians are struggling with mainly because a lot of them are older in age. See, I just like all these amazing things about the story, things that you don't think about that is happening, especially in the classical music world. I mean, because I'm a classical music ho, I love it so much. It just gave it a really interesting perspective and characters that really brought the story to life. Like Rodrigo being so eccentric and so unpredictable, his mind's just going everywhere. He struggles to sign divorce papers from his ex. He is just all over the place, but kind of like music seems like. I feel like he embodies sometimes what music is like, just being all over the place and not sure where to go. But we do get good signs of him like speaking to his muses and how the muses change and his muses Mozart. And it's nice to see them have conversations. I feel like it's also the little moments of the show that makes it so freaking good. In the last season, my goodness, man, they really did be dug. Haley has a moment with Rodrigo in season three where he's like, oh, listen to the orchestra. And they're having this moment and she can actually like see herself conducting an orchestra. So that's what she starts to focus on in season four. And she wants to work on new pieces. She's trying to find new musicians. That is her ultimate character arc. Her and Rodrigo finally sleep together. Literally, the show's cliffhanger, or not cliffhanger, is just like fucks you in the ass. Is Rodrigo fails to conduct his New York Symphony show and he forces Haley to do it. And she bodies the performance and Rodrigo's fired, but we do not know what comes after that. Like, as a female or woman, conductor like no one really takes us seriously or it's hard for us to get into the field and be respected in that role I was just wondering how it was going to go on from there like Rodrigo's love for Haley is just so much where he's just always throwing her and giving her opportunities to see her go because she goes out with life she plays with the blood yeah it sucks that the show had to get left out like that 
but yeah, overall, I think the show touches on so many different things and about a whole other world that I feel like not a lot of people think about, but it was so interesting to watch. I mean, there's a lot more other drama that happens, but you're supposed to laugh. It's some romance. It's drama. It was just a perfect show for me. I think you should take up the mantle and just create your own content because that's what I do with my quiet fandoms because I usually watch the anime that nobody's fucking watching because, you know, I'm different. I'm just one of those girls. I'm not even exaggerating, y'all. There's just anime that I know you guys have never fucking watched that I've watched and it's okay. No offense to you guys. It's the only way you're going to get any closure, if anything. So for my round two, it's like explaining the show in the lens of the trope. Again, cut early. There's more source material to go from. But this is the 2000s. And honestly, I don't really think that the anime was as popular in the East as it was in the West. And I think it's because it's a parody of shoujo um, manga. So if you know what a shoujo manga is, it's usually like for middle school, high school, um, girls, and most of the time it's focused on romance. But there's a lot of action ones, a lot of, like, mystery. Like, it's a whole genre in itself. It just focuses and caters to emotions more because we, as women, are more conditioned to be emotional. It's just supposed to be a parody. So that's why it's a reverse harem, to be H. Because it's so funny. And then it was also cited to be the first Fuyoshi comedy. So what is a Fuyoshi? A female fan of Yaoi. Yaoi is boy love, which is usually not always sexual, but we always go to that route. Yaoi is the perspective of male homosexual relations through the lens of a female eye. What does that mean? To be very plain with you, it is supposed to give women a fantasy catharsis about our relations with men. If you ever read or watch a yaoi, there's always the first initial like scene is obviously like an R word scene. Not always, but like a big popular portion of it in the 2000s were. And still like that to this day. Not saying that I, I, you know, I can't, speak onto it but like a lot of them starts as r words and then it's just like no but the guy's like actually in love with this guy you can see that he's actually in love with him because you get the insight in his head that he's actually in love with this guy so it's like yes, i know what you mean that's like every freaking manga, romance manga that is for adults it always starts with the r word and it's just like but why unfortunately a lot of females can relate to that and then like switch in their head. It's a weird fucking phenomenon. And honestly, it's a fucking fantasy, right? So you can't like take it verbatim of that. That's the word, but like, that's what it is. So anyway, it's the first of the Fuiji comedy trope, which is again, girls who are obsessed with Miaoi, which is again, homosexual males relationship and sexual behaviors but for the female lens okay the girls who are going to the host club are actually the audience surrogate because a lot of people enjoyed the fan service that the boys are giving to the girls i'm gonna be honest with you that never interested me i was really into haruhi i'm more of a she's an authentic bitch i like that bitch that was me a hundred percent the manga kind of helped create that genre, which is amazing because now we can all point out and be like, ha, we know where that's from. That's cool. 
Another thing, which is so interesting to me, was supposed to be a, a boy. Oh, originally? Yes. However, her editors asked her to gender swap. So that's why how do he's dressed the way um, she is like she does not care. It's just more about she likes what she likes. Like no one's forcing her to explain herself. No one's forcing her to commit to feminine anything. No one's doing anything. They're just letting her be herself. And there are times where she dresses feminine presenting. She does express her noise, but like it doesn't actually like bother her. There was also ideas that, you know, the characters might be um, homosexuals. Again, Fujoshi undertones to it, like a lot of like boy love undertones. But the uh, manga is like, no, it's literally not that. That's how I said it. I, I can see how it could be perceived that way, but that's not it. She really had no intention of it becoming what it is to like what it's perceived as today. But she does realize that her work did pioneer a whole fucking subgenre. Which, I mean, we all thrive on that shit. Is she the artist and the storyteller? Yes. I guess this is the round three where we finally battle on who's is better and why. People are still asking every fucking day online for a season two for this show, which I can understand with more intensity now that Fruit Basket had its own reboot. So yeah. we we're like, that's if Fruit exactly. Basket can fucking get it, then so can Orin High School Club. Like, that's the mentality right now. So I was just yeah. on Google because I know people were doing petitions for it. So there's actually two petitions right now on change.org, which I think is like really like cutesy funny so one petition has 743 signed right and then another one has 27 people signed i mean there is a market for it because there's so many tiktok jokes about people i also kind of find it funny when people tell um, others to go watch the club and then it's just like oh wow i like this anime i wonder for season two and it's just like ha 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 bitch there is one and then you're still like you're in hell with me I'm like, oh, you're an asshole. If you want the story to continue, then I really suggest going for the manga. They'll explore more things and like flesh out more of the of the romance triangle that happens. Like it's hinted on in the anime, but like it's the manga. So they have time to stretch that one out. How many uh, volumes does the um, Orient have? There's a total of 18. Listen, if they can still be out here producing One Piece, they can do something for you, okay? Everyone, uh, you know, that's everyone's logic. We're not going to even talk about it. Oh, yeah. Let me go and, and give you the actual price of how much or how do he has to fucking work her ass for $80,000. That they have money for? No, for the Voss that she broke. My gosh. 8 million yen, which translates to $80,000. So how does she even pay the debt? No, she don't pay no damn debt because you can't. <laughs> that's the whole point that's why i'm like she's just trapped here like like they really did this to this poor fucking girl who poor ass shit wow this is how you get friendship with, with poor people you make sure we stay in debt so that we can still be forced to see you every day for my story Mozart in the jungle there was a petition too four years ago with People are like, at least a wrap-up. Just give us a short film something. It was supposed to reach 5,000 signatures, but I got to it a little too late. There's like 4,000 and something. So the show is bopping. There's two petitions actually in change.org. I don't know which one the other one is, but I know the one I signed was like 5K. I feel like it's a beloved show. There's so much heart and so much dedication on 
the characters, what they strive for for the future and how, you know, for everyone, things change. Haley thought she was just going to be an oboist and now she's getting into conducting, even went into a competition that she lost. But she got into a whole competition and it wasn't even like a year since she started conducting music. It's like, if you have it, work with it. When you were describing Mozart's in the Jungle, I was just thinking to myself, this sounds like a star is born. What? Yeah, a young, budding musician, a conductor whose life is like falling apart. They're in two different stages in life, but he's encouraging her. They have a romantic relationship too, right? It's a slow burn. It kind of feels that way, but that's me looking from the outside, me watching and reading too much stuff, I guess. So like that was like my instant connection when you said that. But I'm sure there's like other things. This is a TV show and The Star is Born is always a movie. I'm reading the book called The Originals. This guy made a very facetious comment where he said that people who are in the um, orchestra playing classical music, they're just ordinary people. They're not doing anything like groundbreaking. His thesis was that they're not creating anything. They're just learning to master something. He's like, they're not doing what their forefathers did, which was create new music. They just keep replaying the same old, same old song. Not many of them try to compose themselves. I hear what he's saying. However, performance is an art. And even to talk about composition, it may seem like they're performing the same kind of music, but royalties right now to even try to perform a new composition is ridiculous. Like, there's a reason why they keep playing Mozart and Beethoven. It's free. They're making so much money because people are going to see something that no one had to pay to use. There's that. But then there's also the following, which I think most people like don't get. It's recognizable. And every performance is different because everybody who's playing the instrument is giving a very different perception. For real. And it's not more just about mastering something it's like the skill into doing it like playing the flute the whole goal is not to have your lips fully open to just be able to push air with your lips slightly apart so many things that go in depth into there everything they do it's exactly what you say performance is definitely a big part any kind of art I come from a performance background, so this is probably why I also sound very passionate about that critique. I feel like everything that you brought up was an interesting look into it, because as a child, I'm like, whatever, this looks like fun. It's a comedy, but the way that you spoke about it and looked into the perspective of like the female gaze in boy love romances is interesting and groundbreaking for something that hasn't even been 20 years ago i will tell you there is a lot of yaoi content everywhere that you want to read your mangas in so it definitely took over a lot of people's needs i would say i'm down for a reboot send that petition over and if anybody's interested the show i think the show's on netflix or it's on hulu you can definitely find it on Funimation, though. So Crunchy World, the, maybe? No, Funimation, because oh. I don't think they would give up that one. That's one of their bread and butters. And I was watching um, Full Metal Panic. 
Oh my god! I know. I was watching a little bit. What a throwback! And I'm just like, literally, they use the same voice actors in every show. I was like, it was a small. It was a small market. Yeah. Like it's just it's just so funny just listening and reliving aspects of your life and you can really explain the evolution of something because you fucking lived through it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like everyone's just like everyone in voice actually sounds exactly the same. I was like, um, I mean, it's an industry, um, it's not very populated. So I would assume that would happen, just like you guys have very partial um preferred voices in Japanese dubs. Right. And I'm like, the only people, okay, voiceovers are not all that popular of an art, but every time they do a cartoon movie, it's geared towards, of course, like children in general. They only premiere voice actors that are of class, like, oh, Taylor Swift, or this is Angelina Jolie's voice and Jack Black. Like, it can never just be uh, you know, someone just who's been in the field. It has to be an actor, and now you have to learn how to do this. There's a reason for that, but um, sales. Yeah, it's the sales. It's it's um executives just thinking they need to like get this to as many people and already have household names. Even though I'm not gonna, I'm I don't care. I'll say what I say. This is a hot take, but I'm not fucking wrong. Most celebrities that do voiceovers don't have any experience in it and it sucks and you can fucking tell that they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Not sometimes, it's all the time, right? Because you're paying for them for them to do their their authentic voice. So it's just like, in reality, it's like, it's an alternate universe. Taylor Swift didn't actually become a pop star. This is the character she would be. Yeah, pretty much. So it's like, why are we doing that? How is that fun? At least for me, like if I want to watch a story, like I want to be like so far removed from my current reality where I'm like, I don't even know who the fuck that was. Who was talking? Yeah, I can't put a name to that face. I just know that voice from that one from that one place. The only people who get away with it is TV people. That's the show again. You can go to our Instagram, which is trope trophies dot pod. And you can go and lay out your votes there where I, Stephanie, and Jotty will be looking at it to make sure one of us is definitely the winner. I am tired of coming with ties. No more ties. Those are not allowed. Either a winner or a loser. So, who do you think the winner is? Leave a comment on our Instagram at tropetrophy.pod. Listeners, if you have any tropes or characters you'd like us to battle, DM us on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For notifications on our latest episodes, subscribe to our show. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like to follow us on our socials, you can follow me, Jotty, at Jotty Adi at Instagram, and Stephanie, all socials as the Bewitching Bard. Stay tuned for the next episode. Tuned. Bye-bye.